Welcome to the Inside Out Money Podcast. Can't even recognize this place. Too many pieces of our past mistakes. Hi, I'm Maggie, and I believe real change starts from the inside out. So let's work together to improve our money and our lives from the inside out. We will explore all things money and our relationship with it. Join me each week with a rotating set of co-hosts, friends, and interviews. Let's jump in. I'm just gonna jump. Are in. we doing? All right, are we doing, doing it? Yeah. <laughs> you should put all of this as like I'm going to. Open. Yeah. Or like, are we doing it? Yeah. Are we doing it? Yeah. Okay, we're doing it. Hey, Liz. Hello, Maggie. This feels surreal. It does. Also, my voice just sounded like a 10-year-old boy there. I think your voice cried. Yeah. Well, you know, we're all still going through puberty. It's okay. No judgment. <laughs> this is no judgment zone. Perfect. My favorite kind of zone. This is, uh, your voice is just cracking because you're so excited. I am so excited. For your first co-hosting episode of Inside Out Money. Inside Out Money. And look what just arrived yesterday. Your stickers. Oh my gosh. They look so good. Thanks. You'll get one soon. I don't think things are official until they've been put on a sticker on a water bottle. Mm. So that was an exciting moment yesterday in the mail. Well, I guess my podcast with like 100 episodes is not official. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm going to get we're going to get you some stickers. Then it'll be official. Oh, I should make some stickers. You're right. Speaking of your podcast, since this is your first of many episodes on mm-hmm. Inside Out Money, let's do a quick intro. And you're a unique intro. I'm going to introduce you as Liz from Liz Gets Loaded, and then I'm going to let you do the rest. That's a great intro. I'm Liz from Liz Gets Loaded. I also have a personal finance podcast, but I'm not as fancy as Maggie, so I don't invite people to sit in my closet and drink wine with me while I record podcast episodes. But I have a podcast and an Instagram and a blog all about personal finance and feelings and money and anxiety. I was Friends on Fire's probably number one fan, maybe number three behind like Greg and Britta, but uh, Greg doesn't listen to the podcast. Do you, do you know this? Wait, what? Yeah, we'll get into this later. We I've had a long discussion with him about this. Oh my gosh. And he just, he did early on. And then I think he's like, look, I hear you. You're in my house 24 seven. I listen to you <laughs> at home. Like, I think he just like, it's not, it's not number one on his list. To, he listens to a lot of podcasts, not mine anymore. Maybe he'll listen to this one because it's new. He's like, I already know seven tips to save money on toilet He's like, I live with you daily. I'm good. Yeah. So anyways, you're above Greg. For, I uh, okay. All right. Well, I was fans on fires, number one or number two fan. Then I just kept pestering you on Instagram. I was like, I want to be on the podcast. I want to come on Friends and Fire. This is a bucket list thing for me because I love it so much. And then you finally relented. And then I was like, hey, I want to be your friend. (laughs) And you also relented to that. And so now we're friends. We have a lot in common besides personal finance podcasts. We're about the same age. We have had somewhat similar corporate careers. And we both like decaf instant coffee. That is true. We both like decaf instant coffee. I'm drinking it now too. And we both drive electric cars now. That's fresh news from like two days ago though, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's exciting. I know. I'm really excited. I was trying to weave in how we talk about your car 
into today's episode, but it's it's highly unrelated, I believe. It's totally unrelated, yeah. But someday we'll talk about your new electric car that just came into your life. Maybe we could do, yeah, that's a good episode idea, actually, maybe about electric cars. Or retroactively, all the thoughts you went through trying to decide if you were going to keep your old car, buy a new car. And it's, 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 it's yeah, that, that's the spirit of what we're talking about on Inside Out Money. So it fits in nicely. Yeah, cars are very emotional, especially for Americans. We really love our cars. Yeah. Okay, I don't remember what you were talking about when when i got us again off track i was just this is gonna happen so many times we're still in the introduction this is why i don't know. also i think you said you like for, like forced your friendship upon me it was a willing you i can't remember what word you used but i i did i i i just badgered you until you let me on your podcast and then until you let me be your friend and now it's great and now we're friends i can't think of the word but it's this is a consensual friendship so yeah <laughs> We're now we are. Yes, we have mutually consented to be friends. Fantastic. And do you want to introduce our topic? Yeah. So this well, this topic was your idea, but I love the idea. And we I feel like we've actually exchanged discussions Sometimes what I, I can't remember where we've talked about something because we we have like a tornado of I don't know if that's the right <laughs> word of places we'll talk uh, from Instagram DMs to actual text messages to Marco Polos to sometimes emails. Now, now we've got a working Google Doc. So I'm not even sure where a conversation happened, but right now we're on Zoom. Yeah, yeah now we're on Zoom. We just added like an eighth communication piece to this. I know I was telling someone actually I was talking about you and I said, oh, this is how I met my friend Maggie. And now we're friends in real life. And she was like, but you haven't actually met in real life. And I was like, well, we've been on Zoom. It's 2023. It's the same thing. It's fair we haven't met in real life, but I feel like Zoom and video counts as real life, especially these days. In 2023, it does. Yeah. People have like coworkers that they've worked with 10 years. I had actually, I had co- international coworkers that I'd worked with for 15 years that I had never met in real life, but I still knew them. We were friends. I am in total agreement with you. I do think some humans are able to feel a stronger connection through Zoom or not through Zoom. For some people that 3D is more important to them or not. So Well, and I think it helps. Like certainly. Yeah. Someday we will meet IRL. Yeah. As the kids say. Speaking of kids, you t- when we were texting earlier, you said KK, which my kids say all the time. And when I say it back to them over text, they're always like, stop it. Like, like I'm talking their way. I think as an elder millennial, that is something that I consciously was like, okay, I have to stop saying ha ha and I will say LOL. And I have to stop saying K and I have to say KK so I don't sound like an old. I get critiqued for everything I do lately by teenagers. Where What I wear, what I I say what I do. It's like you can't go. I almost have to just compartmentalize it and be like, okay, they do not have fully developed brains yet. That's. I was just going to say the play, same I'm thing. I'm just going to play along with this. <laughs> okay, so let's jump in. This was your idea and I love it. And I feel like you should tee it up because you, you're going to do a better job. I'm going to fumble over it for a little while, but I'm excited to talk about this because I think it's a fascinating topic. I'm really excited to talk about it too. I wanted to talk about how a lot of people draw parallels between physical fitness and financial fitness. And you'll hear someone say something like, it's simple, just eat less and move more. Or it's so easy, just save and invest, just eat less 
than you burn or spend less than you make, it drives me bananas. <laughs> it's a huge, it makes me angry sometimes when I see this. And I've actually wanted to do a podcast episode about it, but I struggle sometimes with my words. And so I figured I would talk about it with someone smart like you and together we could work through some of these thoughts. I feel like you chose someone who also struggles with their words a lot, but we'll struggle together through this. The other way that I, I hear it a lot is, you know, someone's trying to lose weight and they're equating paying off debt to losing weight mm, and saying mm-hmm. like, oh, just, you know, spend less, pay more, you know, just just like you said. Anyways, I, I'm curious like why it drives you bonkers. Like what about it makes you frustrated when people say that? Sure. Because I agree. I just can't articulate it. It's in both cases, such an oversimplification and it completely ignores everything else that goes into it. All of the psychological, genetic, nature versus nurture. What did you get from your parents versus what are the choices that you're making? for yourself, all of the privilege and advantages that some people have or don't have, you know, we should probably both acknowledge like we're coming to this space with like a fair amount of privilege ourselves. Both of us. But I just hear it so much that, oh, you know, it's really simple. Personal finance is just like losing weight. Just eat less than you burn or spend less than you make. Yeah, it's just math. Right. But it's not. It's not math. It's heavily psychological and very nuanced to a bunch of other factors that we'll go into. Exactly. There's just so much else that goes into it. And we all have our things. And I guess unacknowledged privilege is one of those things that makes me see red. Yeah. It is a massive oversimplification to two different topics that are have a lot of... There's just a lot of nuance and a lot of context that needs to be dug into. And in the spirit of what we're trying to talk about on Inside Out Money, a lot of psychological pieces and then also systemic pieces, which we'll talk about. And I think that a good segue to the the title, which was like a little <laughs> uh, meant to be catchy, mm-hmm. right, is, and you came up with this. I love it, right? The easiest way to be thin and rich. Like, what's the easiest way to be thin? Oh, it's to have two thin parents. Yeah. And what's the easiest way to be rich? Oh, exact same answer. Yeah. So and and that's the that's the I think that's your point about the privilege, right? Yeah, absolutely. And before we go too much further into this topic, I do just want to call something out. We're going to be talking about weight and health, and there's not a perfect correlation between those two things. They're often talked about interchangeably. So we're going to talk a little bit about weight, diet, exercise, those kinds of topics, and also about health. And I'm going to try to be careful to use precise language, but if it sounds like we're conflating those, that's not the intention. Yeah. To that point, Liz, these are both taboo topics, right? Like we're going to be, we're about to get into a bunch of parallels between these two. And I think one of the first ones is they are both taboo topics. So it's why you're trying to be careful with what words you use. And we think about people often don't feel comfortable talking about money and finances with friends and family weights the same way. And it's hard to make like, I'm even careful, like if I see someone and I think they've they like look really good and they've lost a lot of weight. Like I'm not quite sure what's appropriate to say, right? I actually said something to our school's vice principal at the end of the summer, the beginning of the school year. He lost a ton of weight over the summer. And then it turns out it was like related to a big medical thing. Yeah, that happened to me. Someone was like, oh, you you look great. Are you doing something different? You look like you've lost weight. And I mean, I I probably had lost like three pounds because I had E. coli and I did not eat for a week. And it was really awkward, right? I mean, how awkward if you're like, oh, wow, you look great. You lost weight. And someone's like, oh, I had cancer. In general, it's not 
not a great idea to comment about someone's weight, good or bad, perhaps. I don't, I don't know. It's just, it can, it, my point is more, it can be a, they're both taboo topics and you, you're, you're usually not commenting unless you know someone really, really well, you're usually not wanting to comment about their weight or their money. And honestly, even when you know someone really, really well. Right. You would never just, you know, you and I, I would say are people who talk about money a lot. And even still, we were kind of dancing around it. Like, I'll tell you my salary if you tell me yours. Even as two people who, of all the people in the world, like really. Yeah. It feels like it should be a safe space. Yeah. But I would never be like, Maggie, how much do you weigh? Like what pants size do you wear? I mean, I'll tell you if you want off this episode, but yes. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I mean, another parallel is that two people could both eat the exact same diet and do the same workouts and they could have results that are completely different in the same way two people could have the same salary and similar expenses and have completely different outcomes. If your starting circumstances are different, if your genetics are different on the on the weight side, or if your, for example, your student loans, if your parents paid for your college or didn't, two people could get come right out of school, have the same job, have similar expenses, make similar decisions, and still end up in drastically different situations in the long term. Yeah. And just mixing in, like you wouldn't know those things about someone one just from looking at them. Exactly. Exactly. Another parallel is both of these industries, for lack of a better word, are fraught with a lot of bad players that are trying to, I don't know the word for bad players, but trying to sell you some product as a shortcut and or some magical solution that's going to fix your life overnight, that's going to make you a massive amount of money, that's going to burn off all of your weight and get you to your you know health or weight loss goals or whatever it is overnight. And there's just, there's a lot of bad players out there and scammers and, and products that are unhealthy I was going to use the word illegal, but but what's the other? Uh, shady, sketchy. Sh- yeah, shady, sketchy. Not not true. Like, yeah, scammy. Yeah. They will not actually make you money. They will actually, I mean, everything from trying to sell you a course, there are a lot of financial influencers out there that, not all, but that are trying to tell you how they quit their job and got rich overnight and started selling this thing or doing this thing. And a lot of that stuff is not, it's like multi-level marketing. Like, yes, for 1% or half a percent of the world, they might be making money off of it, but the average person isn't going to be successful at that. So there's a lot of get rich quick schemes or lose weight fast type schemes. And it's really sad, honestly, like I hate to see it. And you got to be super diligent and kind of paranoid to catch those things and not fall victim to them. But both of those industries are just very fraught with those things. 100%. All of these too good to be true. (laughs) Overnight success products someone's trying to sell you. And on the flip side, the way you get better at both of them is not through, like there is no get rich quick scheme for 99.9% of people in the world. And there is no lose weight fast scheme for 99.9% of people in the world, right? Like you have to make some pretty big changes to your lifestyle and we'll, we'll get into kind of all of that. But I think that's the other thing is there's a lot of scammers out there and there's not a fast solution to either one of these things for most right. people. 100%. Another big parallel, okay, this is one of my favorite ones, is we, in the US especially, we tend to put more of an emphasis on individual actions versus 
the results of systemic forces. I just read a book that it was called Stolen Focus. And it was actually about neither of these two things, but a third thing about how we're all way too hooked on our phones and we can't focus. And it's another thing that's framed in the idea of like, well, if you just tried harder, if you just took responsibility for your own actions, you would not be hooked on your phone, completely ignoring the fact that there are billions of dollars and millions of engineers whose job it is to try to get you hooked on your phone. But yeah, that is a story for another day. But related to these two topics, you know, you hear like, oh, you gained weight because you don't have self-control over what you eat, for example, without acknowledging that lifestyles have completely changed in the last one. All of the desk jobs that we have did not exist 100 years ago. Our food system has completely changed over the last 100 years. And it, I, I don't like this framing around it's all personal responsibility without acknowledging those systemic forces. And it applies to health and, and weight. And then same on the personal finance side, you see it all the time. You see people hold up this example of, hey, look at this person who they grew up in foster care, but they became a millionaire. And and the, the implication is if they can do it, you can do it. And it's wonderful if someone can do that, but it's ridiculous to not acknowledge that there are systemic forces at play. There's systemic poverty. There are racial pay gaps. There, there, you know, everyone has a different set of headwinds that they're working against. And just because one person was able to overcome that doesn't mean that everyone's able to do that. Yeah. I think the reality is it can be both things, right? Mm -hmm. But I think what, what you and I both get frustrated by is people that don't give light to the systemic forces that impact these things, right? And, and to give a really overly simplistic example, you know, I have a good friend and we were talking about this the other day. I don't remember why, but she listens to this podcast. I won't say her name since I'm talking about, you know, more sensitive topics, but she is pretty naturally thin and she can pretty much eat whatever she wants and not gain weight. And I, I know her parents too, and they're very similar, very, very thin people, naturally thin, I would say. And I didn't come from a family like that. I know I'm I'm pretty in tune with what it takes. Uh, I was gonna <laughs> kind of make a joke. What it takes to keep me looking like this, Liz, <laughs> and it honestly takes a lot. Like I am not. I do not come from naturally thin genes, and I just know a lot about that. But my my point is, my point is, we both were acknowledging there's a huge genetic factor in where we start from. It it doesn't mean we can't both accomplish the same goals in life. I just have to try harder than she does quite honestly. Now, on the flip side, we could look at, you know, two different people like you said, you know, given that example um, of growing up in foster care and, and or in a less wealthy situation or in poverty. Many people grow up in actual, you know, by the definition, by the book poverty. And it is much harder for them to get out of poverty than it was for me. I grew up in a pretty average middle-class household. And that with that came a massive amount of privilege and a massive, some natural financial literacy that I grew up with. The, the right role models around me, teaching me certain things and, and help giving me a leg up to actually pay for certain things, right? Buying my first car, helping me pay for college. Right. That is a, a massive difference that is systemic and that has nothing to do with our willpower or our discipline or how hard we want something. And one of my favorite metaphors for bringing to life the idea of systemic forces 
And I read this actually recently, and this probably came from a bunch of other places. Like, had you heard this before? I don't think so, but I love it. I'm going to use it every day now. I don't know if he made it up or was referencing someone else, but it was Tim Urban's book, which is called What's Our Problem? I'll put a link in the show notes to it. It's a fascinating book. It's gotten a lot of flack for various reasons, but it's actually a, it's just a fascinating book. I, I believe it's worth reading. Anyways, he makes the reference to the idea of systemic forces is the idea that some people were given balloons and some people were given bricks. So, you know, if we were all, you know, if we're looking at a bunch of people born in the same city at the same time, some of us had a balloon of, hey, I was born to two white parents. I had two parents in my household that were, were there and had jobs. That's another balloon. I, I had one parent that went to college, one that didn't. Well, that's a balloon of a certain size, I guess. A bigger balloon if you had two parents that went to college. All of these different factors that were, you know, I went to a decent school. I had decent public schools in my area, maybe said a different way. That was another balloon. I was given. Now, somebody else down the street might have been born to a single parent or raised by a single parent. That's a bit of a brick. Not saying that single parent wasn't awesome, could have been better than my two parents, but still a brick in society. They may have been to a school that had less good funding. That's another brick. So it's the concept of, yeah, some people get balloons and many balloons. Some people get a few bricks. Some people get 20 bricks. Another one, um, Liz, have you ever seen the video? Uh, this has been recreated like 50 times, but some coach at a school had everybody line up on a line and they were going to start a race. And they said, okay, if you're, they like started naming all of these factors that were either balloons or bricks and, and right. telling you to either go 10 steps forward or 10 steps back. And then they started the race and you're like, well, man, there's some people who they have no chance to win this race. That's another way of bringing visually to life the idea of systemic forces. And I think our point here is those systemic forces impact your finances and they impact your weight. Absolutely. I, I think it's becoming more common to talk about financial privileges, but the idea that we all start from the same place in terms of health and in terms of weight is just not true. I, I, I was listening to, I think, an episode of Hidden Brain, and they were talking about how we're discovering now that the way people feel when they exercise is somewhat, I think, genetically determined, like whether you feel awesome or awful when you're working out and how satiated we feel when we eat foods is hmm. not just a matter of like the volume of food that we're eating, but literally the way it was presented. Like we we say that we feel more satiated when a food is described a certain way versus described when it's described as something rich versus when it's described as something healthy and just the way our bodies feel and the signals that our belly sends to our brain that says, hey, you're full. I think there's a stereotype that when people gain weight, it's because they're just, I don't know, <laughs> just chowing down on junk food mindlessly all the time. And if you just stopped doing that, like that's all it is. And and of course, that's not the case at all. There's so much more that goes into it than that. I mean, I think our point in the end is it is, it is not true that if you just work hard enough, you can do it. Well, I should clarify, both things are true, right? We, we are either giving given balloons or bricks in the way we were born and then throughout our lives. Right. And then also our actions can affect those, you know, to, to keep using the balloon or bricks metaphor, our actions can affect that, right? And so we we do control things and we do have choices over things, but we also are constantly influenced by those systemic forces, depending on who we are in the world and which balloons or bricks we were given. It just is the reality. And I think, again, I think that's why this topic is something that we both wanted to talk about, because we think that's a, a really 
important nuance, not nuances, almost under under recognizing it, but it's an important layer and piece of texture to this discussion that I think we both want to talk about. And then I think, you know, to further add another layer to this discussion, interestingly, and kind of related to some of the stuff you were just saying from that podcast, these two things also actually impact each other. So there's a lot of studies that show that financial stress can cause weight gain. And then on the flip side, losing weight can actually improve your finances. In in true Maggie fashion, right? I haven't like fully read the entire study. I read, you know, a snippet about it. But my my gut on that is a bit of the like a rising tide lifts all boats, right? Like when you're making good positive improvements in your life, it can tend to trickle into other areas, right? And so if you're if you're starting to lose weight that you've always wanted to lose, that level of feeling like you're able to make positive changes can often translate into other areas of your life, which is why I'd imagine these two. I wasn't surprised to hear these two things are related. It's interesting the idea that losing weight can improve your finances. I don't know if this is where you were going with that, but in part, there is a pay gap. I mean, there are there is real discrimination out in the world. I actually didn't even think about that piece, but that is true. Yeah, like hiring. like Fat phobia is absolutely a real thing in the world. I don't have the studies at my fingertips, but I, I guarantee I could find them <laughs> indicating that people are less likely to hire people who are overweight and people are, you know, there, there's a pay gap. For sure. It's really awful. Um, and it's this, it's, I just read this amazing book. So I'm kind of fired up about the topic, but it's like this almost this last frontier of discrimination that we hmm. kind of think is okay. I actually was not even aware of, I mean, I'm not surprised to hear that, but I hadn't thought about that a lot. It's a great point. So I think the last parallel I wanted to hit on is that there really is a racial component to both racial and ethnic minorities in the US for sure experience lower life expectancies, higher rates of pretty much all the major health issues, cancer, heart disease, diabetes, etc., and are less likely to have access to affordable health care, either because it's nearby, because they have good insurance, etc., etc., etc. So there's there's all these parallels where health outcomes are tied to to race and ethnicity. And then at the same time, we of course know that race and ethnicity is also very much tied to financial outcomes. So there's a racial pay gap. You know, we're still experiencing the impacts from redlining. It, it's just one of those things again where when someone says something like just calories in, calories out, just spend less than you make. I'm like, oh yeah, that's all it is. <laughs> nothing else, nothing to see here. And yeah, we're all the same. Yeah, we all start on an equal playing field. And yeah, it's just not true. We all have 24 hours in a day, just like people Beyonce. Should we shift into talking about some of the differences? Like we just we just talked about parallels that are often drawn between the two. Not always true necessarily. Well, many not true, but that are are compared between the two. But there are also a couple of differences, pr- some pretty big differences here. I mean, one big difference is that you can out earn bad spending habits. <laughs> like if someone makes a million dollars a year, they can have all the sort of, you know, quote unquote, bad spending habits that people talk about. Like, oh, you DoorDash every day and go on vacations and spend tons of money on clothes. I actually don't think those are bad habits as long as you can afford them. On the other hand, healthy habits don't really cancel out unhealthy habits. So like if I go for a run, that doesn't really cancel out if I spend the night smoking. Is that how? Do you think people spend the night smoking? (laughs) I mean, I'm not a smoker. I'm not exactly (laughs) sure how it works, but I believe it's more like more active in the daytime but i get your point i don't i don't know i don't i've never smoked anything i'm i i'm sheltered in some ways i smoked one time in high school at the red light cafe oh that was what it was called that sounds like something in amsterdam but just a just a place here 
Well, did you smoke all night? No, just why? Well, like barely. I couldn't even like really. I don't even think I inhaled it. You know, I was like choking on myself. It was, it was not a pretty scene. It was not all night. <laughs> In any case, if you go for a run, I don't think it cancels out smoking some number of cigarettes. And if you eat like a lot of kale, it doesn't cancel out the fact that I have a desk job and I sit all day. Yes, exactly. And I think that's why people often say, particularly with trying to lose weight, like you need both, right? You got to eat healthier and work out. And with money, you can actually, like you said, you, you can out earn some bad spending habits. So they're, they're a little bit different from that angle. They are. And then, I mean, the other big difference in my mind is that diets don't work, <laughs> whereas spending plans can work. Budgets do work. Budgets work. Like the, the, and the very best nutrition advice I ever heard, I saw this on a random YouTube video the other day, but the guy said, don't make any changes to your diet that you're not willing to stick to for the rest of your life, which really resonated with me as someone who just grew up in diet culture in the 90s. And even to this day, I have to go to a wedding next month and I was like maybe I should cut carbs for the next month and I'm like oh my god no like but it's so deeply ingrained in my brain I, I can't help myself from going there but on the other hand when it comes to money like a few years of lean spending really can make a difference even if you don't stick with it yeah forever a couple lean years of saving and investing can pay off for years to come, whereas me skipping bread for a couple weeks <laughs> to, to maybe look 0.001% <laughs> smaller when I go to a wedding is not going to have a long term impact in my life. Yeah. Versus I always think about I've, I've frequently heard that, by the way, that diets don't work or they work short term, but they don't work long term. And and they're not really, I think, healthy short term either, even though. Well, yeah, I know I. I've, I think I've heard this statistic a lot of times. I looked it up. There's at least one study that says up to 95% of dieters gain back all of the weight that they had lost after five years. And I think I've also heard what you have in that. I think our parents called it yo-yo dieting, yeah. losing weight and then gaining it back is not great for you. I mean, that's, I guess, another parallel, <laughs> probably spending all your money and then getting more money and then spending it again is probably also not great for your financial health. But your original comment of, you know, something that you're not willing to stick to for the rest of your life. Like I always think about... I'm myself and my husband, Greg, are vegan, which by the way, the joke is like, if you're vegan, like you should know that right away. So I feel like you should know that by now, but <laughs> I do know that about you. You know that. I meant to our listeners. They should know that by now. Oh, oh, oh. I thought you were talking to me. Oh, no, you were no, looking no. at me. No. I know you know that. Well, I'm just looking at you because you're, you're the only person in front of me. I'm going to look off to the side when I'm talking to <laughs> listeners. By the way, there's a podcast that I've been listening to a little bit lately and they refer to their listeners as listeners like frequently and they're like listeners oh. and I, it's like awkward. I don't like it. That is interesting. I don't mean to like knock other podcasts. I won't even name who it is, but it's okay. Are you going to come up with a cutesy name for people who listen to Inside Out Money? I'm not. Are you? Do you have one? Inside Outers? I already tried to come up with a cutesy sign off and I've gotten, uh, it's gotten shut down by two people. Oh, Inside out. See you later. Oh, oh my gosh. I love it. <laughs> oh God. I thought you were also going to knock it. Oh, we'll, no, I love we'll it. Try Inside it on. Yes. Okay. Well, the two people who knocked it were guys. So maybe I should have known. Maybe I should have tried it out on you first. Mm -hmm. It was Greg and Andrew who were knocking it. I'm not, I will call them out. I will name that. I will name that podcast I was knocking, but I'll name, I like, I'll, I'll I like name it. and shame our other co-host here. No, I like it. I don't, I don't love being assigned a name as, as a listener. Yeah. But I've thought about it. Even with Liz gets loaded, I'm like, all right, loaded-ers. <laughs> Drinkers. But they might just be the money kind of loaded. You're right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what you would call that. Loads. 
Just calm load. That doesn't sound <laughs> right. Either. Okay, let's move on. Anyways, I don't even remember where we were. Okay, here's where we are. We should shift to uh, one of the things that I always want to try to do in this podcast is kind of get to the like, so what? I'm, I'm sure some of you just enjoy Liz and I talking about these mm-hmm. things, and I hope you do. We'll be here for more of it. We at least, at the very least, we enjoy it, right? Is that really what matters? <laughs> but I do want to always try to finish these episodes with like, so what do you do with this information? Like what is actionable from this and what is helpful in your life? And so let's try to go through what we think is actually actionable from this other than a fascinating philosophical discussion. I think the number one action you could take would be to not say the things that we keep saying. (laughs) Like just never again in your life should you say, it's just calories in, calories out, just spend less than you make. That's my like annoying voice, I guess. People, I don't like what they're saying. I agree with you that that is probably the biggest takeaway is just be aware of the fact that you are heavily oversimplifying and under-recognizing systemic forces and privilege and other things if you compare these two things and act like it's just like, oh, just try harder. Just, you know, quit eating as much and quit spending as much. It's not that simple for either person. It's not. I mean, just, I yeah, number one takeaway, don't make assumptions about people based on the way that they look. Like you literally do not know why their body looks like their body or why their car looks like their car. Like you just don't know any of the backstory. Yes, true. That being said, technically, the fundamentals of the two are the same. Your body can and will adjust to having less food in a healthy amount, to be clear. And you can and will adjust to spending less and still be happy. It's not going to feel good for a while. It takes a massive amount of discipline. You you may have 20 bricks holding you down versus someone else has 20 balloons holding them up. But the fundamentals of the two, and this is such a nuance because it's almost like when I say the fundamentals of the two are the same, it almost negates what we just said. But but to me, this is one of those things where two things can be true, right? I think that's that's the nuance and complexity to this discussion. Yeah, I don't think either of us are saying that there are no similarities here. I mean, we spend a lot of time talking about how there are similarities. I think the biggest similarity between the two is that they're nuanced and they're just that they're not simple. Not that they're not similar, just that they're not simple. Yeah. And so another actionable thing here is there are proven benefits that tracking things can improve you in both of these areas. So we're both big fans. I think actually, Liz, do you track you track your expenses? Oh yeah. Oh, it's like my main hobby. <laughs> well, and you're you're a big you need a budget or, or aka YNAB fan, which I used to think, by the way, was called wine app when someone first told me about it i thought it i thought they were talking it was someone at work who first told me about it shout out to suzanne and she kept saying wine ab and i was like are we talking about wine and coming from her i thought she might be talking about wine to me so i was (laughs) i was just very confused and then i was like wait what wine ab which is y-n-a-b you need a budget liz's favorite app you have a lot of episodes about that or like i I, I have at least one. No, it's actually I two. I go from a lot to you have at least I just really love tracking my spending. I used to post a monthly breakdown of like, this is everything I spend money on every month. I stopped doing that only because I was lazy. I still do it for myself. I just don't take the time to make it a pretty blog post anymore. But the point is tracking that stuff helps you to stay more accountable to what you are spending. Because if you don't know what, like I always say, you know, for something to get better, you have to measure it, right? So what gets measured gets better. 
in both of these cases, it's much easier to do better when you are tracking things. And so I've gone through phases where I use one of those calorie tracker apps and I'm shocked by some of the things I eat. I'm like, whoa, I had no idea that smoothie I was making in the morning turns out wasn't like a snack, but was like a full meal in terms of the amount of stuff I was packing into it. And so it is, it, it gives you data to then decide how you want to use it, right? And I do think, I'm not suggesting anyone should be constantly tracking their calories because I think that is a tough way to live and just a lot to deal with. But on the flip side, we both do constantly track our expenses and we actually enjoy it. And so, you know, there's something to be said for tracking things. Yeah. Yeah. Tracking your net worth, tracking your spending, all ways to bring focus. And if you want to clean up your eating either to lose weight or for any other reason, like you probably remember I went on a big kick a while ago where I read that eating 30 different plants every week has better health outcomes. So I was like, okay, one, kale, two, Brussels sprouts, three, snap peas. <laughs> and I, you know, I I hit 30 plants in the weeks that I was tracking it and I didn't hit it. And I, I, I'm sure I didn't hit it this week because I wasn't even thinking about it. That was when we were just internet friends, Liz. And I kind of forgot that that was you till you just said, I knew I did that with someone and I would like, for a while I got on a kick and I was like counting how many different things I was eating also. Oh, that's amazing. Yep. That was me. I have a more firm memory of what you, since we knew each other and, you know, know, like video and talked more more right. directly. So that's fair. Okay. What else can people do with this? Another potentially actionable takeaway is if you want to change anything about your eating, your weight, your finances, you could do it on your own, but you can also hire a coach or work with an accountability partner. All of these things are more fun to do with a friend. Yeah. On that same note, if you are looking to hire some professional help, like we talked about earlier, be very careful and avoid any sort of get rich quick or lose weight quick type schemes. We talked about it earlier, so we don't have to beat it, but they often don't work. They're not always healthy mentally or physically. And there's a lot of scammers in these areas preying on your vulnerabilities to want to do better in these two areas. And so just be super cautious about who you do hire and engage with to get help in this area. 100%, which I think leads to another takeaway of changing anything about your weight, about other areas of your health, about your finances takes time. So give it time. And potentially even, I actually, this is real. Just the other day, I was updating my net worth tracker and I don't usually scroll back, but I scrolled back to like five years ago and I was really impressed with myself. I was like, wow, good job, Liz. It's pretty cool to see that long-term change. I was just reading a book and a quote from it was, progress happens too slowly to notice, but setbacks happen too quickly to ignore. But it was just making more of the point of that progress happens too slowly to notice sometimes, right? And mm -hmm. it's pretty cool to go back and see something where you've actually made a lot of progress, probably thanks to compound interest over the years. <laughs> and you don't always see it day to day. But when you step back and take a more macro level view of things, it can be pretty cool. And that change, it was, I don't remember what book I was reading recently. That's going to be a theme, by the way. I, I remember things. And I'm like, I can't really tell you where, but you should just rename the podcast. I don't remember the name of the book where I was reading, but I learned something. But it was talking about, you know, that just changes inch by inch, right? It's not mile by mile. And I love the phrase, small hinges swing a big door. Mm. And again, would love to credit that to somebody. Couldn't tell you who. Just the idea of, you know, you got to start small. Don't, you can have some big audacious goal, but it, it's hard to get to those things. And if you just start making small changes and, you know, if, if anything about this discussion today has been helpful to you, which we hope it has been, think about a small change that you want to commit to making today. 
you know, the last thing that we'll wrap this up on is in the spirit of what we both talk about a lot and believe in, right? The, the psychological aspect and the mindset aspect of this stuff is the most important piece to future success. And so I would guide people to really focus on your why and really get to the root of what might be holding you back from improving anything about your finances or your weight or your health or whatever it is that you want to focus on. And if you don't know what this is and you're having trouble identifying it, you could consider seeing a therapist, right? Hopefully with insurance. I know my therapist, uh, do we want to talk about this, Liz? But my therapist, I now have one that um, I used to pay 10 times this back when I had a job and didn't really worry about needing this to go through insurance. But now my therapist is $20 a session, which is very exciting to me. I mean, I'm not trying to one-up you, but I have new insurance and my therapy is free. Free? Oh my gosh. That's the best price. It is. But then, so I was just going, well, I actually do think I need to talk to a therapist. Can you go daily? Is there a limit? I think there's a limit, but it's pre- it's really high. Like I think you could go once a week the whole year. But then the therapist I was working with was like, I think you're good. And I was like, oh. no, I want to keep meeting and I want to tell you about how I was really stressed on my vacation. <laughs> You just like making up excuses to be there. That's funny. I know. I know. My therapist has not yet tried to break up with me. She is still taking my $20 a week. And whatever, probably the $100 that your insurance is paying her a week on top of. Yes, she gets more. She gets more than $20 a week. But yeah, but but our point is, if you don't know your why and you don't know what's holding you back, which is normal, many people don't. It takes a lot of introspection to really Mm -hmm. understand that. And it's hard to get there on your own. Sometimes there's a lot of different books and podcasts and resources that you can listen to. But also, there's I think it's an awesome investment to see a therapist. And I have at various times in my life and and have gotten a lot out of it. And and just like we said, the, the progress on this stuff is very heavily psychological and mindset based. And my last point on this, which is one of my favorite topics, is around neuroplasticity, which is the idea that our brains can change and they can... A, a formal definition is it's the ability of the nervous system to change its activity and response to intrinsic or extrinsic stimuli by reorganizing its structure, functions, or connections. That was a lot of a definition. But it's just the idea like we can change our brains, we can change our beliefs about money, about food, about body image, and our brain believes what we tell it. Mm-hmm. And we can tell it different things. And I, I've never been like, have you ever been like a big believer in like positive affirmations? And I, I use mantras a lot. Yes. Okay. I will say I always wasn't a big fan. Like I knew people who really believed in this. Mm. And I was recently listening or what was I reading? Like I said, couldn't tell you where, but they were talking about affirmations in a way that was just a little bit different than what I had heard before. Four. Mm-hmm. It made me rethink my, I didn't have a negative view. I just was sort of like, eh, I don't like, I'm not going to like stand in a mirror and talk to myself. And I'm not knocking. I don't do that. Okay, I'm not, I was going to say either way, even if you did, I'm not knocking anyone who does. I'm not going to like sit it in works. my closet and talk to myself, Liz, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not talking about you. I'm not talking about you. Someone else, I have this other friend who sits in her closet and talks to herself. Mm-hmm. It's not you at all. Mm-hmm. It's, some, it's this other person. I'm not talking to myself. I know. I'm just messing around. <laughs> Uh, you're talking to the listeners, right? The listeners. The listeners. Okay. I've, I've lost my... Oh, positive affirmations. But I just... I heard it talked about in a different way where they were actually saying it in a... Making these statements like, I don't eat past 9 p.m. I don't eat meat. Oh. 
I don't overcommit. That's one I need to say to myself because I do overcommit. And it was it was almost in like the negative phrase of like I don't do this. I don't spend beyond the budget I've set for myself. Mm. It was it was those phrases, and I was like, oh, I could see that. And like even as I don't know how I'm going to tie this back into veganism in two episodes, but when when we first went vegan, I did set just a hard and fast rule for myself of like I'm just going to try this and I don't eat meat, and it it made it easier because it was very clear. It was a very clear rule. That's so interesting because I don't eat meat. I'm not vegan. I probably eat meat five times a year. I would say effectively I'm a vegetarian, but I actually came into it the exact opposite way. Nine or 10 plus years ago, I said to myself, I wonder how long it will be until I really want to eat meat. I can have it if I want it, but I wonder how long it will be before I'm in a situation where there's nothing else to eat and I'm hungry, or I just see something that looks really good and I want it. And it was like, Eight years. <laughs> wow. See, that I don't think would work for me. I just would see a lot of things that I want to eat. <laughs> and I tried. I remember seeing and until I went very much. Well, it took me a while. It's a longer story. But this is the point. Everybody's different, right? Like what works for one person won't work for another person. And I have no idea if affirmations will work for you. I've not tried them extensively, but I did just recently hear this and just, you know, saying, I don't eat after 9 p.m. I'm going to say that to myself because I eat a lot after 9 p.m. Same. So we'll have to see if that works for me. That's like my best eating hours, like between <laughs> 9 and 11. I do some of my best work, you know? <laughs> I, I hear what you're saying, though, in terms of neuroplasticity, though. You, you have to convince your brain that something is true first. It's almost like if you want to make a change, it starts from the inside, inside out? out. That wasn't even scripted, y'all. That was good. <laughs> well played, Liz. Okay. I think that might be our first Inside Out Money episode. Well, did we do it? We did it. Thank you all for listening. I know your time is limited and valuable, and we really appreciate you spending some of it with us. If you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a written review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We would really appreciate it. It's also a really good idea to share this episode with a friend or a family member to just encourage ongoing discussions about money. You can also subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any thoughts or questions, I always love to hear from you and you can leave us a voicemail or text us at 404-981-3370 or hit us up on Instagram. So are we going to do our inside out? Yeah, ready on three. I don't know how I feel like my voice just cracked. Too. I think we can do it on three and we'll do it together. All right. Okay. One, two. Do we both count or is this a silent one, two, three? Inside, Inside out. <laughs> I can't say it without <laughs> laughing. Terrible. That was terrible. I think that makes it the best though. I'm leaving all this in just so you know. <laughs> Perfect. You want to do it again or should we just let that? We'll just get better naturally over time. We'll just improve. And then over time, five years from now, we'll listen back on this episode and marvel at how far we have come. We'll be so in sync by then. Okay, Liz, I'm so excited we're doing this. Thanks for the first episode together. Bye. Bye. Bye.